Greetings, parish orphans and retrogrades. Happy Wednesday afternoon. Today, Ascension Presents and Father Mike Schmitz presented a video called Do Wives Have to Be Submissive? And while the video was not conclusive, it suggested lots that we need to discuss today. And I want to be extra careful and extra deferent in the ways that are possible to Father Mike because he's a cleric. I heard lots that um, plainly, scripturally, needs to be discussed. And that's what we're going to do on today's episode of Rules for Retrogrades. It's a dinner episode, and it's going to be good. Because this issue, according to Father Mike, arose for presentation by Ascension Presents because so many YouTubers by which he means channels like this one, probably this one in fine, have been repopularizing what Scripture actually teaches about men and women. That is to say, married men and women, which is to say husbands and wives. What is that teaching? Absolutely, that wives must submit to their husbands. We're going to play some clips, hear from what Father Mike said. I, I tweeted out, a call for this show, and it was Father Mike expressing doubt that men are in charge of their families, direct quote, or that the men make the decisions for their families. I was shocked. I mean, as shocked as one can be, I know this is the, this is the establishment position, or it has been for several decades. I didn't expect to find it in a priest so young and I guess in, in, in half a way with it is Father Mike, but Ascension Presents is run by the folks that have been running the church for decades, and they're out of touch. I simply think it begins and ends with fear. Fear that women in the pews will not accept the gospel. There are hard sayings in the Bible, particularly the New Testament, and Jesus and St. Paul both say, with regard to the hard sayings, this is where a pastor must be extra crisp, must be extra incisive, and with the full vigor of all Christendom, with the full courage of Jesus as a wind at your back, speak the truth in season and out of season. Speak the truth then in Jesus' day and St. Paul's day. Speak the truth now, for the truth does not change. So, we're going to get into this episode with the clear receipts when it comes to what does Scripture require. And you guys know that I published this book, my wife's published this book, on what Scripture very clearly, linearly requires. I think you're going to be surprised how clearly not just Ephesians 5 discusses the matter, but several other passages in the New Testament. We're going to get into it in a second. A couple brief words. Firstly, we opened up on return.us, that is R-E-T-V-R-N.us, a call last week for applications for a new Catholic matchmaking service so that young men who are interested in instantiating the patriarchy and young women who are interested in the same, can get together. The dating services, the Catholic apps, 
the Christian apps, they've all failed. They failed miserably. Go to www.returnretvrn.us and sign up today. You might be able to be part of our first round. We're looking for 15 men and 15 women to pair off to get married within the next 18 months. Tradition-minded folks, irrespective of liturgy, who are interested in a real Christian marriage, that is to say a real Catholic marriage. Also, get out of your blue state, get to a red state today. It's not too late to do it. It's not too late to do it. You can get from the bluest of the blue to the reddest of the red. That's what I did three summers ago, almost to the day. Go to realestateforlife.org and a good pro-life, probably Catholic, will help you get out of your blue state and get to a red state today. I suggest the blood red swath of states from Texas to Florida. That's where I chose. And my family has never been happier. It makes a difference. Geography. Get to a place that's more like a res publica because your neighbors are true Christians, even if they're mostly Protestants here in the Bible Belt. www.realestateforlife.org And please subscribe to the channel. Click subscribe. Even if you don't leave the comment, I like cookies, subscribe to the channel. Most of you watch frequently. Many of you are not subscribed. Okay, now, Father Mike Schmitz just released this video a couple hours ago expressing, I don't want to say a repudiation of the passages in Scripture that say that women must submit to their husbands, because he left it vague. He, he, I think intentionally, he left it vague. There are so many scriptures that are so specific about women submitting to their husbands that he presented, he, he toggled between presenting um, an, an antithetical theory, you know, women don't have to submit to their husbands, and on the other hand, rejiggering, reconfiguring the idea of what male leadership is, but, but accepting it. And dividing male leadership, which has two parts, let's call them rights and duties, dividing it into one and only accepting one. So he went back and forth between these approaches. We'll talk about what he said in certain passages. But first, there's a fixation on Ephesians chapter 5. That fixation is interesting because there are so, before I talk about what Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 through 24 actually say, actually mean, allow me to say this. There are so many other passages in Scripture that are much more clear, even more clear. And Ephesians 5 is very clear. Let me, let me get to that. First off, let me, let me show you what, what Father Mike said. We'll start with this clip here. Lead, lead him. Just lead him. Like, okay, that means I gotta, like, I'm in charge. That means, okay, I'm gonna make the decisions. Even brides will say something like that. Like, yeah, I guess that means that, you know, he makes the decisions in the family. That means he's in charge of, of the family. I don't... Is that what it means? It... So, Father Mike says that with regard to men, husbands, being in charge of their wives and their kids and making all the decisions for the family, he says, I don't, 
And then he stops himself and he says, is that what that means? So he never expresses a full sentence, propositionally speaking, that negates the notion. I want to show you another clip in a second. But this is either just cognitive dissonance because he, he has the wrong point of view, which he does. And I, I'd, I'd love to talk to Father Mike on the show. We'd love to have clerics of all shapes and sizes. And it would be great to have him on. I sort of doubt he'd come on. There's a part, I'll, I'll play it, where he says, oh, there are YouTubers out there that are, that are celebrating wifely submission as if this is Christian marriage. Well, it is. So he's skeptical at the very least. Sounds like he was towing right up to the precipice, right up to the line of contradicting that men are in charge and make decisions for the families in Christian families, which is heinous. It's perverse that he's even unsure. But like I say, I think this stems from pastoral, I don't want to say cowardice, lack of courage, because I think these guys think that the women sitting in the pews will not accept Jesus' teaching. Jesus has far harder teachings, like the doctrine of uh, transubstantiation, or the Trinity, or uh, the hypostatic union. These three doctrines are much harder than what nature teaches us anyway, that men are in charge and women are built to follow one man. Now, I do this podcast on Fridays called CMAS, Catholic Masculinism with Three Other Gents. And we talk all the time about how patriarchy, which is just the view, the model of Christian marriage, does not mean that every man is the boss of every woman. That's not what the Bible says. Let's skip Ephesians 5 and go to all these other eight passages that I'm always citing. It's one woman has one male boss who is like her, her, her Lord, it says, um, lowercase l, in some two different parts in the Bible. And I can't go up to some other guy's wife and say, hey, I really need a shoulder rub and a sandwich. That's not appropriate. I'm not her boss. I'm my wife's boss, though. Okay, leave Ephesians 5, 21 to 24 aside for a second. We'll come back to it. It's very clear that the mutual subjection, subject, be subject to one another, is laid out in the partitive sense, where St. Paul says, in some sense, both women and men are subject to each other. Now, women have to submit to their husbands in all things. He says this explicitly in verse 22. In this other sense, well, men have to subject their lives to their wives. They don't have to do what their wives say in any one thing. He's very clear about that. But in the partitive sense, you're kind of subject to each other. You're kind of, you know. I mean, like, in some sense, sherbet is like an ice cream, but in another sense, it's not. Ice cream tends to be creamier flavored, you know. So that's Ephesians 5 where he says mutual subjection. That's not the same thing as mutual submission. Submission is unilateral. We'll go to that at the end. First, let's check out Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. And I'm working, by the way, out of this handy resource that we made absolutely free to you guys. Taking the pithiest from both of our books. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. That's the first one. There's no mutuality here. Father Mike Schmitz, I'd love to talk to you about this on my show. 
We're, we're, we're going to all these other New Testament passages first to prove how bulwarked, how bolstered Ephesians 5, 21 to 24 are. So first one is Colossians 3, 18. I'll reread it. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And I have probably, I need to add about 20 to 30 verses to this document from, I've been going through the Bible. So we have a lot more coming on this topic. Yeah, we will. Now, a lot of those are from the Old Testament, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Second, New Testament, St. Pauline epistle on point that backs up unilateral submission, not mutual submission. First Peter 3. Verses 1 to 6. Listen to this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. We get some specifics, neither here nor there. Dot, dot, dot. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Okay, that's First Peter 3, 1 to 6. How about a third passage? Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 on this submission question. You ready? Father Mike, I'd love to have you on. I, I bring the receipts, though. Ask anybody. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, notice at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Hmm. Okay, so once again, unilateral subjection, submission. We'll get to the partitive sense of mutual subjection in Ephesians 5, but we're not going to do that yet. Okay, now let's go next to my namesake, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. How about that? The money shot here is, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. That is the number one quality in a goodly wife. Father Mike. And now I'll go to the wider passage here so you won't say I'm proof texting. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. Uh Uh-oh. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. Sorry for my voice. I'm chugging cough drops. She must be quiet. For Adam (coughs) was formed first, then Eve. Ontological priority, Father Mike. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, hope, and holiness with propriety. The holiness which was just defined as submission. That's passage number 4. 1 Timothy 2, 11. Let's go to passage number 5. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Whole other chapter. Okay. I'm fighting coughing fits. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. Okay. There's, that's good. So they rule their houses. No mutual submission. 
while Let's, you're taking that sip, I'll just say too, as I've been going through, I went through the Old Testament all throughout Lent. I finished it, and I don't think I saw obviously <coughs> one part of the Bible that said uh, a man needs to submit. Meanwhile, there's just all throughout the Bible about women submitting. It gets to be a pain. Steph was showing me everything she was going through. It becomes a pain to write it down because it's so one-sided. There's no question here. There's no doubt. The doubt is the product of either a lack of courage, pastorally speaking, or a, you know, a misplaced mistrust in women, thinking women won't do what Jesus calls them to do. We'll get to that in a second. The, what is it, sixth, seventh, if we count uh, Ephesians 5, is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3 to 7. You ready for this? I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is a man, meaning her husband. And the head of every Christ and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered, veiled, the way women did, used to do when there was Catholic, <laughs> dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. Now, headship means being in charge of a household. It's a very important uh, uh, Jewish custom. A woman doesn't have headship, so she veils her head. That's what it's all about. Um, a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. I will repeat this. This is, in many ways, Father Mike Schmitz, the most powerful passage. Man is the image and glory of God. Woman is the glory of man. Not the image. Image and glory is will and intellect. We won't go through all the metaphysical, ontological properties of image and glory. Today, I've done that in other shows, but man's the image and glory of God. He's the head. He has no real boss aside from God himself. Ecclesially, he's got the bishop who could tell him what, what mass he can or cannot go to. But he has no real boss but God. Woman is the glory of man because she is his maid. Okay? All of this overwhelmingly favors the only reasonable interpretation of submission, which is it's unilateral. There is the, the term mutual submission never appears in Ephesians 5, by the way. Subject, be subject to one another in Christ. Here's how, is what St. Paul will say. Women... Submit in everything to your husbands. Husbands, be willing to risk your lives. Very clear. Final pre-Ephesians 5 New Testament Pauline passage showing that submission is unilateral. 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. Just devastatingly one-sided. This is verses 34 to 35. Women should remain silent in the churches. Uh, Father Mike's not going to like this one either. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. You, got, you guessed it. As the law says, if they want to inquire about something, what should they do, Steph? Ask their husbands. Ask their husbands at home. <laughs> now, lots of bigots against Steph's book, Ask Your Husband, made fun of the title. It came from this passage. If they want to inquire about something, well, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 35, they should ask their husbands where? At 
at home where they belong. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. If any of you want this document that Tim is reading from, it is on our website for free. It's 28 pages. It's just all the scriptural, magisterial, and all the papal references that we have in our both of our books against feminism. So none, no opinions on this document, just straight facts. They're just the facts. Now, I, I want good-willed prelates like Father Mike Schmitz to get it and to stop talking like the boomers because I want them to believe in the goodness and the willingness of young Christian women, particularly the Zoomers, who I have a lot of hope for, the Zoomers, to overcome all of the failures of those who went before. Okay? And they can do it. Listen to this. Go to the beginning. Earlier on in Ephesians chapter 5, I think it's verse 21, St. Paul begins this whole section by saying, be mutually submissive to each other out of reverence for Christ. So be mutually submissive to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so I just showed you, for one thing, most English translations favor uh, be subject to one another. We're going to go through some etymologies to explain why this would be the phraseology of choice. Be subject to one another. Let's, let's come to it. This is, of course, Ephesians 5. You just read you 21. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, it, it becomes a partitive parsing of verse 21 and 22 to 24. Well, how can you both be subject to one another? Subject means to throw under. With a car accident, both cars can't go under. If it's a head-on, one car goes over, one car goes under. If you're stacking blocks, they can't both be under. One goes under, one goes over. This is a law of nature. In marriage, when you have two competing adult wills, a husband and a wife, and they have a bunch of little kids, one must be subject, thrown under. What you wanted isn't going to go. Even in the best marriages, you're not always going to agree. Here's the parsing, the part of parsing. Yeah, you could be subject to one another, each in at least one proshen equivocal way. My audience knows what a proshen equivocal is. It's an Aristotelian teaching. It means that at least in one sense, the meanings of be subject, man to woman, woman to man, are univocal, but only in one sense. This is the one sense that a man should be subject to his wife. We get it in verse 24. Wives submit to your own husband's as you do to the Lord. That means in all things. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body and himself its Savior. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. After this, we will get two words. So, I mean, it's, it's all wives in the most literal, univocal sense of the parsing of subjection or submission, it means to be put under, not to be thrown under, but to be put under. We'll talk about the false etymologies involved by Father Mike's popularized error next. But first, I just want to, before we get to the, the popular error in etymology, <coughs> I want to be really clear that husbands, in verse 24 are told, here's the one way you're subject to your wives. They submit in all things, 
you subject your lives. Spiritually, you're putting it all on the line. You'll be judged by your wife and your kids. And physically, when danger appears, mortal danger, you put your butt on the line. So I'm managing this cough, which is broken out unholily uh, several times as I've done videos and classes uh, on Zoom over the last week. Because this summer cold as hell. Um, so I hope you guys are getting this. For, I'll t- let's take a pause right there. Ephesians chapter 5, 21 to 24, is a very clear instance of a partitive genus. Right? A genus... In some sense, everyone, you know, husbands and wives, all parties be subject to each other. Wives, you have to do everything he says. That's the typical, typical meaning. Husbands, be subject in the sense that you'll, you'll put your life on the line. Also, he loops back around to it eight verses later in 33. Also in Ephesians 5, he says, Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. The wife was, must respect her husband. Thank you. Respect means follow the rules, uh, particularly when you go through the Greek word. This Greek version of respect means follow the rules. Husbands, I was talking about this with Michael Knowles last time we got together for a drink. Husbands, pretty rough around the edges dudes. What's our main, this is Knowles' point. All husbands are really told is like, just love your, your wives, okay? Love them. Spiritually, this means you get them to heaven. But wives, you have all the specific stuff. Respect means you have to do everything the husband says. It's not mutual. There's nothing mutual about this. Husbands love, wives respect. That means this is the part of submission. In all of these nine New Testament passages, there is not a corpuscle of doubt. There's not a scintilla of evidence of mutual submission. The term mutual never appears in Scripture. John Paul II and his intellectual progeny made it up out of whole cloth or propagate his fabricated new expression of what I'd call eisegesis, not exegesis, out of whole cloth. Okay? I'm just, just the facts. I, I, I love these guys. There's much or some that was good about the pontificate of John Paul II. There's much that's good about many of the people that are devoted to him, like Father Mike Schmitz. They do a lot of good work. This is not it. Out of fear, and a little bit, if I could be honest, a little bit of a lack of faith in the women in their pews, a little bit of pastoral cowardice, they're selling the women short, thinking the women will not accept the true gospel. We must peddle them a false gospel. And I would just say, in filial piety, Father Mike, God love you. God bless the good work you do. Please just tell them the truth. You don't have to, like a baby boomer, Uh, bend the gospel. Jesus was very harsh on those who bent the gospel. Okay. Now, number two, the false etymology, the false etymology involved by what Father Mike is saying. Listen to this. Occasional Sundays. Here's a scripture that some people even choose to have at their weddings. Here's a scripture that sometimes people in the Bible in a year, or even they're just stumbling through the New Testament, and they come across Ephesians chapter 5, and they hit this line that says, Wives, be submissive to your husbands in all things as to the Lord. And all of a sudden, just like, whoa, what is happening? In fact, when that comes up in the lectionary, right, in the cycle of readings on Sundays, sometimes it's just like, 
what is happening? What are we going to say? Even there might even be an option to like skip it or to like go over this. When people choose it for their weddings, all the, you know, I sometimes see this. I sometimes see this confusion of like people, guests at the wedding are looking back and forth like, did they actually, there's Catholic YouTube, there's Catholic Twitter, there's Catholic, all these things. And there's this kind of like this rise and people talking about, yeah, that's what we do. Here's what it Okay, he goes on to give an etymology for submetere. I know Latin quite well. That is a false etymology. He, he uses the Latin for the prefix, and he uses the English for the, uh, the base term, mission. So he says, submission means you throw, a husband and a wife mutually throw themselves under one another's mission. Because each person can have a little mission for his life before he or her, he or she meets his spouse. So it sounds unisex. That's not what submission means. We'll talk about the real definition, the real etymology in a second. But uh, first, Steph, help me out here. If I, I, I need to express something. Pause. Because... What Father Mike said here is bothersome. It's bothersome. What, what, what you could you want to take it? I is bothersome. I think the the sentiment that he's expressing about editing Holy Scripture out is actually the most insulting thing to women. What they're really saying is that women are so flighty and emotional and uncontrolled have uncontrolled emotions that we can't bear to hear a hard truth, which. Women of this channel, no, that is not the case. We want to know what God wants of us. We want to know what the parameters are. We want to please Jesus Christ, and we want to live up to Scripture. And to do that, we need strong Catholic priests to just tell us the straight facts and not treat us like we're whimpering children, that we can't handle basic Scripture. And as nice of a guy I think Father Mike is, and he does a lot of great things for the church, and a lot of our viewers love him, this is a great disservice to women. I think he's trying to, if I'm trying to be charitable to him, I think he's trying to bring women into Catholicism, but he's not doing it in the truly pastoral way, in the true way in accord with the church. You need to tell Catholic women what the rules are. And real Catholic women, viewers of this channel, for instance, applaud you and are excited and happy to hear the straight truth. I want to be honest. Father Mike, she seems like a, a really nice guy. I'm fully on board there. I don't want to overstate my case out of, I don't know. I don't, we don't want to piss you guys off. He seems like a nice guy. We're not picking on him. But what I heard for 10 and a half minutes in that video was false gospel. So I want to say, I'm sure, I'm sure he doesn't know what he's doing. That's the charitable read. He must be mistaken. But I want to play this clip again because there are some rather brusque insinuations, rather direct insinuations, that he does know what he's doing by, by offering, m modifying the gospel. Occasional Sundays, 
Here's a scripture that some people even choose to have at their weddings. Here's a scripture that sometimes people in the Bible in a year or even they're just stumbling through the New Testament and they come across Ephesians chapter 5 and they hit this line that says, Wives, be submissive to your husbands in all things as to the Lord. And all of a sudden, just like, whoa, what is happening? In fact, when that comes up in the lectionary, right, in the cycle of readings on Sundays, sometimes it's just like, what is happening? What are we going to say? Even there might even be an option to like skip it or to like go over this. When people choose it for their weddings, you know, I sometimes see this. I sometimes see this confusion of like people, guests at the wedding are looking back and forth like, did they actually, there's Catholic YouTube, there's Catholic Twitter, there's Catholic, all these things. And there's this kind of like this rise and people talking about, yeah, that's what we do. Here's what it is. So what, what concerns me in a, a real way is him saying that it's a good thing that scripture, holy scripture has been bracketed, inerrant scripture on the most, one of the most clear expressions of how are husbands and wives to regard each other, which is really important especially in today's age, it's good, it's bracketed. That, that really bothers me. Um, number, number two, did you want to jump in there? I would also just say to Father Mike, and this is a question to him specifically, if that's, if that's not what Ephesians 5 means, that wives have to submit to their husband in all things, then why bracket it? If this is just can be, an, why can't they just say it? If it, that's not what it means and we're all misunderstanding it and it means mutual submission, then why not just say it during mass and then say that? Well, there's cognitive dissonance marks his entire presentation. Ascension presentation presents cognitive dissonance for all to see. Because sometimes he's saying, well, men are the leaders, but leadership just means the, the duty is not the rights. No. Other times he says, no, it doesn't mean you lead or make the final decision. That's sexism or something. No. Other times he says, well, submission is mutual, even though this is impossible. If I say we go left and my wife says we go right at a stop, we're going left. Even if I turn out to be wrong, I was right insofar as I'm the only one who has the right to make that decision. I'm the one with the purview, with the discretionary authority, as we say in politics. So he's presented like three or four different theories which are mutually exclusive, all at the same time, like spaghetti on the wall. They all contradict each other. Some of them seed more to the plain truth of the plain one true gospel. But it's like a desperation. It's anything to shut up the parishioners. But notice also the second moment in that clip that I've played twice now. He's very concerned about the attendees of a wedding tugging at their collars and looking at each other. He admits it. He admits how concerned he is that these attendees are tugging at their collars and saying, <clears throat> but we're, we're baby boomers, or even greatest generation. There's still some of them kicking around, still going to weddings. And both greatest generation and baby boomers ushered in feminism. We, two generations, don't believe in that. And we mostly kicked that nonsensical, diabolical feminism to the Gen X. You know, it's a few years ahead of me and Steph. So those three generations, in triplicate, fully reject the gospel. And I don't just mean Ephesians 5. I mean Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3, Titus 2, 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy 3, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14. There are many more in the Old Testament. The only places where Paul treats of the question 
it's very uncomfortable for Father Mike Schmitz or Focus. Remember, we did a show last year on how Focus is pushing the uh, opiate of the masses, of the Christian masses, of mutual submission. They push it hard, and they didn't really want to back off. And I would say to Father Mike, I'd say if you're noticing that your parishioners are looking around and kind of scoffing at each other over Holy Scripture, then that is your job as a leader and a priest to call everybody in and say, listen, we are not to scoff at Holy Scripture. And yep. why are you scoffing? Let's discuss this. I uh, Clearly, I'm not talking about this enough in my homilies. If people feel comfortable scoffing at the Lord and the Holy Word of God. That means we have a serious problem in our culture, and that is not something to laugh about. And again, I know Father Mike has a very friendly personality, so he's kind of laughing at that notion. But when I saw that part of the video where he's kind of laughing at the fact that people are rolling their eyes at Holy Scripture during a a wedding, I'm saying to myself, we have our houses on fire, and our priests are laughing at the fact that people are scoffing (laughs) at Scripture. Perfectly said. I I just, the problem is that that folks are saying, don't give us the true gospel, give us a false gospel, or we'll rebel. That is your duty as a pastor, Father Mike, if you behold this, to correct it and to be very clear. Let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. As clear as the teaching on marriage is, women submit to your husbands in all things. At one point in his 10 and a half minute video, he he seems to say women shouldn't submit in all things, which is a direct line. And that men should, if the danger presents itself in a mortal set of circumstances, they should lay down their lives. That's the one way they're subject. It's a prosenequivocal. If you're not willing to teach this, then I guess you wind up reifying false etymologies, like the one that has become popular. Submission. A husband throws his wife sub under the mission of his wife. The wife throws herself under sub the mission of her husband. You both, you know, you have a little committee meeting about it and we each get what we want. That's not how it works. That's not what the term means. Submission, Father Mike Schmitz, means submetere, which is from Latin. It means to be put or to be placed underneath. Subjection means to be thrown underneath. So they are quite similar. When two cars get into a head-on collision, 1,000 times out of 1,000, one will go under, one will go over. Everyone who's married knows, every last one of us, that when our wives choose not to accept something that we do say, okay, look, this is what we're going to do with this situation. I, I, I took some of your input because you're smart. I, sometimes you convince me, but this time I say, no, I've decided on A. And you're saying A prime? Okay, you're going to be the one that's thrown under. It's very clear. Pius Twelfth, Pius Eleventh. I'll, I'll read the popes at the end of this, by the way, Father Mike Schmitz. They all say, A wife has a dignified place. She shouldn't be treated like one of the kids. Well, the kids don't get to give counsel as flesh of your flesh. That's not what what the children do. You could take their opinion, but it's in passing. No, the wife gets to give serious counsel. If you don't, husbands, if you don't think your wives can give good counsel, you shouldn't have married her. Steph gives amazing counsel. 
But a lot of times they say, that's great. That's great. Like a king's council, tell me why we should go to war, A. A will make the case. Okay, now tell me why we shouldn't go to war, B. You guys are my two most trusted people. One of you is going to lose. It's ultimately the king's decision, and the husband is the king. He's the sovereign. So, hey, great, great. I appreciate it, Steph. You, you don't get to decide whether or not I implement what you just gave me, but you gave me good stuff. Sometimes it's a narrow loss. Now, submission is being et- etymologized falsely in a very ubiquitous way, in a popular way. You hear it all over the place. Because everyone has a self-appointed mission, right? Oh, my, my, what's my bucket list? That could be what a woman means by it, or a man. But only one can be thrown under or placed under, and only one in a head-on collision goes over. That's what an argument in a marriage is. And we are giving, we are given a very, very, very clear template. Now, I'm, I'm seeing friends on Twitter say, this is so disappointing. Look, these guys want to be popular, Okay. It's scary. <coughs> As you guys who watch this show might imagine, it's a little scary, particularly to certain temperaments, to piss off whole swaths of the population or to piss off whole swaths of even your sheepfold as a pastor, let alone people in untold parts of the globe that, you, that might be watching this that you don't even know of. It doesn't bother me. This kind of stuff has never bothered me. Other stuff does, right? Throughout my life, I've struggled with tons of stuff. Hypochondriasis, right? Father Mike probably doesn't. So we all have our issue. But here, and I mean that in full humility, I'm just not afraid of saying truth to the power of the demos. And I just want Father Mike to take heart. Women, particularly Zoomers, seem really apt to hearing the truth because they know how badly greatest generation the boomers, and Gen X have failed. These are the failed, family-crushing, divorced generations. Now, I want to play you this other clip where Father Mike seems to be strongly insinuating that biblical leadership precludes the common sense of leadership or the traditional sense of leadership. I don't mean traditional like, like a trad. I just mean... He's strongly suggesting that when we're talking about husbandly leadership, it's a, it must be received in such a perverse sense, con- construction of the term, that it means like the opposite. That it means the husband's not really the leader. Listen to what he says here. Listen. Like, we're paying attention to half of it. So, again, there's, there's Catholics, there's Christians who are like, yeah, we're being adamant about this. Scripture says, wives, submit to your husbands. He's going to lead. Okay, he's going to lead. So I'm going to embrace that and be true to the Bible. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Question. Where's the Christian vision of leading? Like, what is the Christian vision of the one who's called to be the leader? Well, where do we look? We look to none other than Jesus himself. So Jesus is the head, we're his body. Jesus is the bridegroom, we're the bride. How does Jesus lead? Well, he doesn't say, I'm here to make the decisions. I'm here, I'm the one who's in charge. He says, the son of man, meaning himself, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So yes, husbands, lead. 
What's leadership look like? It looks like that. Here's where I get skeptical yielding too much and saying, I'm sure this is just a, a good faith error. This sounds like real dangerous Socrates in the Agora of Greece sophistry. Okay? But I want to keep being charitable. But did Father Mike Schmitz in this video, in the clip I just played, just claim that Jesus did not claim to make decisions or be in charge? Because that's what I heard. I, I can replay the clip, but I feel like I'm, doing, I'm, I'm playing every clip twice just so you guys can hear. If you don't believe it, go back and replay it as per me playing, replaying it. While you're, while you're taking a cough break for a second, when I heard that clip, I was, I was kind of screaming in my head because he, I noticed a lot of these kind of like the softer Catholics, they only want to talk about service, service, service. But Christ is very clear. He gives us rules in the Bible. He lays down parameters. He's going from town to town saying, this is how you must live your life. This was not just service. This was a direct, I'm coming to tell you the good news. I am telling you how to live your life. That is leadership. See, what he's trying to do is he's trying to say, oh, these trads or people who are really obsessed or talking about submission, they only want to talk about, you know, the rules and not the service. Well, he just got rid of the rules that Jesus talks about and only talks about the service. Jesus did both. And that's what we're talking about here. There are rules and you must serve. At the very beginning of the clip, he's in the middle of saying some other sentence that I, I cut off. He said, they're only paying attention to half of it, it being the charge for husbands. This is a bizarre thing for him to say because it's precisely what he's doing. With every sinecure, with every office of authority, comes rights and duties. He is perfectly expressing just the duties of husbands without the rights. And my friends, parish orphans and retrogrades, go back and replay it. He literally said something I have never heard any other Christian, Orthodox, Catholic, or Protestant say. That Jesus didn't claim to make decisions or be in charge of the church. Direct quote. Direct quote. He said Jesus didn't, I mean, the, 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 the quote is embedded. He didn't claim to make decisions or be in charge of the church. All he did was lay down his life. He did both. He made all the decisions for the church and was in charge in every way of the apostles. And he laid down his life for the church. His rights, that he is in charge and everyone has to defer to him. His duties, if we follow up the Christology husband analogy, is that he had to lay down his life. Let, I mean, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. How could this be any more clear? And is he trying to not get it? I don't want to accept that. I want to think he's just not getting it. But this is not debatable. It was never debatable. This is not like, hey, Father Mike Schmidt's going rules retrogrades and have a debate with Tim Gordon. First off, he's not going to do that. Secondly, it would be a ridiculous debate. There is no reasonable counter. Ephesians 5, chapter 
verse 21 to 24, is crystal clear. Wives, you have to do everything your husbands say. Husbands, you're subject to them in this one way. Sacrifice your life in situations of danger. (coughs) But then you add to that all of the other Pauline inerrant teachings that are connected intimately to Christology and ecclesiology. Christ is the groom, the church is the bride. And the only way you get at Father Mike's doubt is by, like Father Mike, doubting that Christ can make decisions or that Christ is in charge of the church, that Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church just as every man is the head of his woman. It's a direct quote. I just quoted it. Titus, Timothy, Peter, Colossians, Corinthians. So I, there's, I just feel like we're banging our head against the wall, but not in the, the usual sense of the term, where we're trying something, Steph and I, that's, that's not working. And it's not working because the premises don't adduce to the conclusion. No, it's the other way around. It's so, there's no more descriptive, analogical, anagogical, creative way that I could break this down for those who do not have eyes to see. There are none so blind. Right, Ascension presents and be like, look, save it for the boomers. Please, Father Mike. We don't want the false gospel. And he's the one saying they're only paying attention to half of it. No. No Christian masculinist that I know, Elliot Holes or Will Noland or any of the other Christian patriarchs, anti-feminists that I work with and I do this every day and I wrote the book on it, The Case for Patriarchy and Steph wrote the book, Ask Your Husband. Every one of them takes the rights with the duties of husbands. Rights, everyone has to do everything he says in the household. Duties, you got to lay down your life if the situation arises. I've never met a Christian masculinist or patriarchist that cuts off that half. But Father Mike, who says they're only paying attention to the rights half, he does precisely what he's accusing me of. He's only paying attention to the duties without the rights. That's kind of the way he ends. He ends on a vague note. He never fully contradicts unilateral submission. He just comes right up to the line and squints and he he does a lot of this, face scrunching, and he says, I don't know, is that it? Yeah, that's it. It's unilateral submission. Someone show Father Mike Schmitz this video. What I find really sus too is that they all want to talk about what men have to do, but at what point are we going to get some of these kind of cheerful Catholics saying, what are you telling women they have to do? I haven't heard a thing from some of these more ubiquitously accepted Catholic talking heads telling women where they need to be better. Specific ways they need to be better wives and mothers in accordance with scripture. All I hear is that men have to do this, men have to do that. I never hear, they never get around to what do women have to do to serve Christ and their husbands and their families better. Never hear. I think they think it's nothing. Right? Nothing. Yeah, 
Sorry, we were talking. I was muting. It's always a presumption that we're talking too much about women ought to do. Let's talk about the men now. And our entire point was, no, no, wait a second. We we haven't talked <laughs> enough in this society for a great many years about what women need to do to be better women. It, the focus has been all on the men for as long as I can remember. I can't remember anyone ever coming out and saying, hey, Christian wives, you really need to step up your game. And these are the specific ways that you need to do that. Christian wives, you're out of control. You're out of control. Okay, now the, the kind of closing point that Father Mike seems to make is that he thinks that demonstrating that, that leading on the one hand and submitting on the other aren't intelligible or cognizable categories, right? He, he closes on the point that like leading, even though it's a really basic thing, I remember being in first grade talking about who's the leader, who's the leader of your group of friends. Peter Pan's the leader of the Lost Boys. Leonardo's the leader of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Splinter's kind of the leader of the leader. You know, they all followed the rat. Uh, you know, who's the, every kid's cartoon had the leader. Cobra Commander is the leader of the bad guys in G.I. Joe, right? Oh, Destro's kind of the second leader. That stuff interests men very much. You got Destro, you got Cobra Commander. It's never quite clear who's on top there. And Father Mike's big point, because of all the cognitive dissonance of the, let's, let's just be honest, the corrupt establishment who doesn't want to tell the truth about the gospel, wants to peddle the false gospel. They say leadership really, it's not in, it, it doesn't pertain to intelligible or cognizable categories. Now, if you say like, hey, what if like um, out of racism, like a white guy pollutes a black guy's lake? They'd be like, that's hatred. That's just, it is what it looks like. It is what it feels like. It is what it sounds like. If it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. What about intolerance? If, I'm, if a guy's like, hey, I don't want like, you know, Skittles people at my church or like eating in the kitchen with us or whatever, you know. The, however understandable some of us might feel that is, they'd be like, that's intolerance. Intolerance is as intolerance does. Intolerance is utterly intelligible. It is what it looks like. If we brought up sexism, which is kind of related, so it's not a good example, they'd say this is a clear, it is what it looks like. If, if men think women are bad drivers, which they are, the statistics show, then that's sexism. It sounds sexist, it is sexist. But they will never, these cats, admit that leading is exactly what we all thought it was. Listen, listen to what Father Mike says. Like people, guests at the wedding are looking back and forth like, did they actually, there's Catholic YouTube, there's Catholic Twitter, there's Catholic, oh all these gosh. things. And there's this kind of like this rise and people talking about, yeah, that's what we do. Here's what it is. Husbands, you are leaders. You lead your, your wife, you lead your family. Men be leaders. And I'm all about men taking responsibility for themselves, making men taking responsibility for the people around them, the people that are under, under their care. But what does it mean to say, okay, guys, you need to lead. You need to lead your family. You need to lead your wife. You need to lead her. And also, she needs to submit to you in all things as to the Lord. Like, what does that actually mean? Great question, Camper, because I don't think it means what you might think it means. In fact, let's go to the beginning. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a lot here. I, I don't really love being called Camper, right? I mean, sport. 
And I, I understand this, this influencer, this priest, is very popular. And I want to respect that. Um, deference is not my greatest strength. Some would call it a weakness. But, so I, I want to be deferent here. This is a, a Roman Catholic prelate. And lots of you tell me he does lots of great work. I, I don't follow his work. I don't watch his stuff. Someone just sent me this. Parish Orphan Retrograde dude was like, what the hell? And it's, yes, it's shocking. It is a false gospel, okay? To, to have a Roman Catholic priest in, in a very popular parlance saying leading isn't what you think it is. You don't know anything about it. Leading doesn't mean the men make the decisions. Leading doesn't mean discretionary authority. <coughs> leading doesn't mean a plenary authority. All leading means is the duties. And that, that's even what he says in that clip. He says, I'm, I'm fine with a man doing the obligations. It was like, but what about the rights? Right? So, he also complains that there's this rise in YouTube, folks. He's talking about this channel and a couple others. Saying the Bible means what it says. And he's like, no, the Bible doesn't mean what it says. That's why it's good that it's bracketed. I, I mean, this is, I'm connecting to an earlier quote. The Bible, the Bible can't mean what it says. So it's good that, that the boomers bracketed it. Or the, the greatest generation in the 70s. It can't mean what it says. Well, people said that to Jesus, too, about a much, much, much trickier concept. Much more philosophically difficult to explicate. You can't explicate false logoi, right? You can't prove a mathematical equation that's false. Jesus told us that he is the living bread, the bread of life, and that you have to eat his Body, blood, soul, divinity. Consume it literally in order to have life. That's a difficult saying for even a believing Catholic. It is not a difficult saying to believe that men who have different brains, different bodies, different statures, different hips, different skeletons even, different endocrinology, that all suit them for leading. Their brains, I cite the research in Case for Patriarchy, Totally different brains, brain chemistry. Their skeletons, totally different. Built for hard blows, for the warrior kings of old. Their musculature, much more muscle mass. We're built by nature to lead. Women are built by nature to follow. The Zoomers are willing to accept this. And I'm afraid that however popular Ascension presents is, far, far bigger following than this channel, you're going to begin alienating the Zoomers. Because it is this rise in YouTube. Christians that want the true gospel, not the fake gospel. Christians who believe that yes should mean yes and no should mean no. That comes from Jesus, by the way. Christians who believe that we can know what to do before we're charged with going and doing it. And also Christians, not only who accept the hard sayings of the gospel, like the transubstantiation of the Eucharist, the, the triune God, hylomorphism, 
the, the two natures in the person of Christ. But the very easy saying that a husband is the leader of his family. Yes, in all things. Doesn't mean he's infallible or impeccable. He'll goof up. But even with his goof-ups, all those decisions are his. Not over all women. Husband can't go to the supermarket and start telling all the other wives shopping in the produce section, hey, go home and fix chicken for dinner tonight, not fish. (laughs) Go home and invest in this different portfolio option. Go home and change your carpet to tile or your tile to carpet. That's That's not right. Every woman has one head, and that is her man, her husband. I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesied with his head covered dishonors his head. He ought to not cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God, but woman is the glory of man. You should have bracketed all those. If you're going to prevaricate to the people, you should have bracketed all the other stuff because there's so much. (coughs) I don't know what else to say, man. I think that my takeaway from all of this is that I just want priests like Father Mike, who have big platforms, to honestly respect women and Catholic marriages more. And tell us the truth, because the truth is, and which what we've been trying to tell everyone is that if the husband is following the scripture and being a good scriptural husband, and the wife is following scriptural scripture and being a good scriptural wife, you're going to have a very beautiful, lovely life together, and you're going to bring the gospel and Christ to so many people around you. And I see these priests being a real block to that by telling women what they want to hear instead of what they need to hear. And it really is disrespectful to women. It is treating women like we're, we're incapable of hearing a hard truth or incapable of hearing what our Lord demands of us. And what our Lord demands of us is very, very clear, ladies. It's very, very, very clear. And Father Mike or anyone else cannot make up down in that regard for your feelings or otherwise. Well, it's, it's, it's lying to them and thereby setting them in danger's way, in harm's way. Literally, it's, it's going to get people potentially sent to hell because you lied to them about feminism. Did you? I mean, I want to read what some of the popes said. These are all 20th century popes. <coughs> um... Pope Leo XIII, first 20th century Pope. Mutual duties of husband and wife have been defined and their several rights accurately established. They're bound namely to have such feelings for one another as to cherish always the great mutual love, to be ever faithful to their marriage vow, and to give one another an unfailing and unselfish help. That's kind of mutual. Uh-oh, but here it comes. The husband is the chief of the family and the head of the wife. The woman, because she is flesh of his flesh, and bone of his bone, must be subject to her husband and obey him. Not indeed as a servant, but as a companion, so that her obedience shall be wanting in neither honor nor dignity. Since the husband represents Christ, and since the wife represents the church, let there always be both in him who commands, Father Mike, and in her who obeys, Father Mike, a heaven-born love guiding 
both in their respective duties. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, let also wives be to their husbands in all things. Now here, he writes, that's in Arcanum, same encyclical. Here's same Pope, Leo XIII, writing on the father's authority over his family. And also, does the church mutually submit to Christ? Does Christ mutually submit to the church? Like, if the wife relates to the husband as Christ does to the church, the church is not, is, is led by Christ. Christ does not submit to the church. This doesn't even make sense. Well, but Father Mike, remember, thinks, to be fair. It's an error, but he, I guess he's consistent because he says he thinks that Jesus never claimed to make decisions or to be in charge of the church, which is crazy what these guys get themselves into by, if you avoid the truth, you will say other absurd things downstream of it. Here's the other passage from Arcanum, the authority of the Father. Not only in strict truth was marriage instituted for the propagation of the human race, but also that the lives of husbands and wives might be made better and happier. This comes about in many ways, by their lightening each other's burdens through mutual help. There's mutual by constant and faithful love, by having all their possessions in common. You guys should not have different bank accounts. A lot of working wives have that out there. And by the heavenly grace which flows from the sacrament. Beautiful. Marriage can also do much for the good of families for so long as it is conformable to nature and in accordance with the counsels of God. It has power to strengthen union of heart in the parents to secure the holy education of children, to temper the authority of the Father by the example of the divine authority. Man's in charge in all things of his wife, like God is to man, but be good. To render children obedient to their parents and servants obedient to their masters. Um, <coughs> now, same Pope Leo Thirteenth. In Sapiense Christiane. This is a suitable moment for us to exhort, especially heads of families, to govern their households. It's all about men. Pope Leo XIII in Rerum Navarum, the very basis for the whole document is that men are the only ones leaving the house. They're in charge, they have to go in and out, they're the ones earning daily bread. The mutual duties of husband and wife have been defined and their several rights accurately established. They are bound, namely, to have such feelings for one another as to cherish always very great mutual love, to be ever faithful to their marriage vow, and to give one another an unfailing and unselfish help. <coughs> the woman, because she is flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone, must be subject to her husband and obey him, not indeed as a servant, but as a companion, so that her obedience shall not be wanting in either honor nor dignity, since the husband represents Christ and since the wife represents the church, let there always be, both in him who commands and in her who obeys, a heaven-born love, guiding both their duties. Um, I think we're doubling up here. Um, Pius X, addressing the delegation of the Union of Italian Catholic Ladies, said this in 1909. <coughs> After creating man, God created woman and determined her mission, that's funny, namely that that of being man's companion, help meet in consolation. You hear what your mission is, ladies? You don't get to set it yourself. 
If you get married, it's being your husband's companion, help meet and consolation. Help him do what he's trying to do. It is a mistake, therefore, to maintain that woman's rights are the same as man's. Women on war or parliament are outside their proper sphere, and their position there would be the desperation and the ruin of society. I don't think Father Mike's going to like this. Women, created as man's companion, must so remain under the power of love and affection, but always under his power. Father Mike's not going to like that. Focus, missionaries are not going to like that. Ascension Presents are not going to like that. The bishops and the powerful bishops' conferences are not going to like that. But it's the truth. It's the gospel. How mistaken, therefore, is that misguided feminism which seeks to correct God's work. Can you believe Pius X said that in 1909? <coughs> That's because feminism began in proper in 1848. Here's Benedict XV in 1917 in Natalis Trecentesimi. With the decline in religion, cultured women have lost their sense of shame along with their piety. Thank you. So much shame lost. Many, in order to take up occupations ill-befitting their sex, trying to be men, like, like gender dysphorics in a way, took to imitating men. Others abandoned the duties of the housewife for which they were fashioned to cast themselves recklessly into the current of life. Okay, here's Benedict the Fifteenth in Women's Mission in Modern Society in Papal Pronouncements. Women's duty is to her home and family is the theme here. The changed conditions of the times have conferred upon women functions and rights which were not allowed her in former times. But no change in the opinions of men, no novelty of circumstances and events, will ever remove woman conscious of her mission from her natural center, which is the family. At the domestic hearth, she is queen. Hence, it may be justly said that the changed condition of the times have enlarged the fields of women's activity. <coughs> An apostolate of woman in the world has succeeded. That more intimate and restricted action which she formerly exercised within the domestic walls. But this apostolate must be carried out in such a manner is to make it evident that woman, both outside and within the home, shall not forget that it is her duty, even today, to consecrate her principal cares to the family. Pius XI in Casti Canubi in 1930 says, talking about the new liberty, that the subjection of women does not take away the liberty which fully belongs to women, both in the view of her dignity and in her most noble office as wife and mother. Nor does it bid her obey her husband's every request, if not in harmony with right reason or with the dignity due to wife. So if it causes her to sin, very clear language, if it causes her to sin gravely, she does not, that's the one thing she can disobey her husband about. Don't go to church. Contracept. A wife can, can disobey. Nothing else. Nor in fine does it imply that the wife should be put on a level with those persons who in law are called minors, to whom it is not customary to allow free exercise of their rights on account of their lack of mature judgment. 
but it forbids that exaggerated liberty that Father Mike's talking about, which cares not for the good of the family. It forbids that in this body, which is the family, the heart be separated from the head to the great detriment of the whole body in the proximate danger of ruin. For if the man is the head, the woman is the heart, and as he occupies the chief place in ruling, Father Mike Schmitz, so she may and ought to claim for herself the chief place in love. She respects his rule. That's what's due to him. He loves her. Pope Pius XI, also Casti Canubi, This, however, is not the true emancipation of woman, nor that rational and exalted liberty which belongs to the noble office of a Christian woman and wife. It is rather the debasing of the womanly character and the dignity of motherhood, and indeed of the whole family, as a result of which the husband suffers the loss of his wife, the children of their mother, and the home and the whole family of an ever-watchful guardian when she goes to work. More than this, such false liberty and unnatural equality with the husband were not equals in rank. Sorry. Dignity, in God's eyes, not in rank. Unnatural equality with the husband is to the detriment of the woman herself. For if the woman descends from her truly regal throne to which she has been raised within the walls of the home by means of the gospel, she will soon be reduced to the old state of slavery and become, as among the pagans, the mere instrument of man. Some of these are so wordy that it's hell to get out when you're, you're reading a devastating... You want to get to a devastating line, but you need the context so you're not just pulling the line out. While you're looking for a, a devastating line there, um, I would just like to pop in and say I think that the submissive wife, the, the stay-at-home wife, has gotten such a bad rap. Uh, a woman, they like to characterize her as a woman who's being put upon, abused. She's not intelligent enough to do things on her own. I would just like to say from my own experience that I enjoy a wonderful, and I know women out there who, who have relationships like mine agree, a great lifestyle. My husband loves me and cherishes me so much. He doesn't want me out in the wild world. He wants to protect the thing that he loves, me, and cherishes here at the house. I'm protected. I have a very nice life. Tim delights in the fact that I have time in my day. I watercolor. I redesign doll houses. I cross stitch. He wants me home having a lovely domesticated life without stress, without having to combat the evils in society. I like when you can sleep in or if not sleep in on a day, which you can on most days, you sleep in beyond what I sleep in until take a nap. Women are weak physically. What do you notice when your female boss is having a rough week? Immediately, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not built to, I'm not built to just keep going, to endure beyond dings, scratches, rough patches in the week, being tired, being worn out. That's what a soldier, a man is for. Women get grouchy. I, don't, I, I love Steph. Not only do I want to avoid grouchiness, but she deserves it. It's lovely to let your wife sleep in. Men shouldn't be sleeping in every day of the week. 
I love stepping able to sleep in an extra hour beyond when I get up. And all of the all of the the, merit, the <laughs> traditional wives that I know of enjoy the I don't know one brooding abusive jerk trad husband who takes his role as a St. Joseph of the household seriously. All the women that I'm friends with, their husbands delight in the fact that they don't have to deal with the outside world. They're protected at home. They have leisurely lovely lives. They have hobbies that they like to do in their backyard to garden. I don't know where this negative concept of I do. The well, I know where it is. It's bitterness. It's a lot of the the, the women, unfortunately, who do not enjoy this sort of lifestyle, and these men who peer in and they try to imagine what it's like for these women. That is not how it's like at all. I don't have. I I have a lovely, beautiful life. I would not trade it for a billion dollars. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, a lovely life, life. and that's, that's what, what we want you guys to have, and that's what we're doing—the return matchmaking thing, because. People are pre-selected, people are pre-selection biased against the kind of communism of male-female egalitarianism being presented by mutual submission models. So people that watch this channel are like, dude, we, we want a wife that we provide for, that we protect for, that we look out for, can, can sleep in, can get a little extra rest, can, can get the beauty rest. And wives who are like, yeah, man, I have none of the, the PSYOP brainwash drilled into my head. I just want a guy that loves me and protects me that I actually admire. I will do whatever he says. That's, I'm a lady. That's what I'm built for. That's what I'm built for. Uh, in Quadrigation Moano, I would just point out, in, in support of what I'm saying about, I like Steph to be able to Sleep in a little extra, not go, definitely not go to work. He says, to abuse the years of childhood and limited strength of women. The limited strength of women is grossly wrong. Mothers concentrating on household duties should work primarily in the home or its immediate vicinity, for in the case of farmers. <coughs> it is an intolerable abuse to be abolished at all costs. For mothers on account of the Father's low wage to be forced to engage in gainful occupations outside the home to the neglect of the proper cares and duties and the training of the children. Even, where is it? Here's Pope Pius Twelfth, the next Pope. Talking about women, the weaker sex, need to be at home doing what their husbands tell them to do. Has woman's position been thereby improved? He means by the feminism which had taken root. Equality of rights with man, next pope, this isn't 11, this is 12, brought with it her abandonment of the home where she reigned as queen, his predecessor's words, and her subjection to the same work strain and working hours. It entails depreciation of her true dignity and the solid foundation of all her rights, which is her characteristic feminine role, and the intimate coordination of the two sexes. The end intended by God for the good of all human society, especially for the family, is lost sight of. In concessions made to woman, one can easily see not respect for her dignity or her mission, but an attempt to foster the economic and military power of the totalitarian state to which all must inexorably be subordinated. This is where this is all headed. <coughs> Here's St. Pius XII. 
in a speech called Women's Duties in Social and Political Life. We see a woman who, in order to augment her husband's earnings, betakes herself also to a factory, leaving her house abandoned during her absence. The house, untidy and small perhaps before, becomes even more miserable for lack of care. Members of the family work separately in four quarters of the city and with different working hours. Scarcely ever do they find themselves together for dinner or rest after work, still less for prayer in common. What is left of family life and what attractions can it offer to children? Does this sound familiar? Children had working mothers in the last two generations and they thought this is ugly. Suburban family life is nasty. No one's ever together. I kind of hate my parents, a lot of suburbs kids were saying in the 90s and early 2000s. Half my parents are divorced. The half that are divorced, that aren't divorced, hate each other, squabble. My dad's jealous because my mom's working on her boss's boat all the time. She might out-earn him. The one of the, it's the number one cause of divorce. We never get to see our mom. She doesn't take care of the house. It's dirty. My parents argue over who's going to do the dishes. My mom doesn't make our lunch like some of my friends' moms at Catholic school. I don't feel cared for. My mother isn't the heart of the home. She's not there. This isn't for me. I don't want to get married. Does this sound familiar? Does this sound familiar? Tell the truth, leaders of society. Even John Twenty-Third in Potterman Terrace, which is not my favorite encyclical, said... The amount a worker receives must be sufficient in proportion to available funds to allow him and his family a standard of living consistent with dignity, meaning one income. Second, Second Vatican Council said the children, this is in Gaudium at Space, the children, especially the younger among them, need the care of their mother at home. This domestic role of hers must be safely preserved. Even Pope Paul, John Paul II, Paul VI says something that supports this, but it's kind of vague. Pope John Paul II said, The toil of a woman who, having given birth to a child, nourishes and cares for that child and devotes herself to its upbringing, particularly in the early years, it's so great as to be, not be comparable to any professional work. That might be a, <coughs> a typo. In Laborum Exorcens, he says, Having to abandon these tasks motherly tasks, in order to take up paid work outside the home is wrong from the point of view of the good of society and of the family. Wow. Wow. So even John Paul II says this stuff. I mean, this is getting into women working, which is kind of, kind of distinguishable, but the point is there is no case to be made. Father Mike, I'd love to have you on the show and we can, we can talk about where, where this went so badly wrong. You guys hit us with your questions and comments in the comment box. We'll end it there. Deus Volt. Tell Father Mike in Ascension Presents, look, please come correct on this. We want the truth. God wills it. Deus Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee.
Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.